following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 through 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit and distributes them to each one just as he determines. How can I sermon? Dear Lord, we thank you for Hannah and we hope pray that you open our ears and our hearts to hear her words today. Amen. Good evening. My name's Hannah. I am the youth missioner here at Nix, and it's a pleasure to be with you this evening as we continue our sermon series through Corinthians. Well, each week at youth, which meets before our evening service, uh, we eat a lot of pizza, but we also are following our 1 Corinthians sermon series, and we open with the same question every week. What on earth is Paul angry about this week? Each week, just as we've done in the evening service, we've moved through all the chaos and fun of the church in Corinth. We've discussed all the leadership disputes, sexual immorality, and wealth inequalities around the communion table. And this week in our passage, Paul is perhaps a little bit less angry, but he's still concerned about something. Our passage tonight begins at the start of chapter 12. Here, Paul begins a larger section of the letter, which will last for the next two chapters, where he's teaching on all things spiritual. So the verses we're looking at tonight serve as a sort of introduction to all the spiritual matters Paul is going to talk us through. So we return to our original question. What is Paul angry about this week? Well, rather simply, Paul is concerned about the way the church in Corinth are using their spiritual gifts. Because here's the thing, the worship service is chaotic. People are shouting left, right, and center. 
No one's having a quiet word with Claire during the hymn to discern whether the word should be shared to the congregation. No, people are just coming up, grabbing the mic, and talking about whatever miraculous gift has been bestowed upon them by the Spirit. I mean, even the welcome team at this church, they're speaking in this strange, unintelligible language at the door, and no one knows what's going on, so people are leaving the church. And these people who are speaking this strange language, well, they get to sit on special seats at the front. Some of them say they look a bit like sofas. And when they go to the pub after the service, these people who speak this unintelligible language, they're given the free drinks at the pub. It's absolute chaos. Obviously, I'm joking, but we don't know for certain what worship is like in Corinth. But we can make some guesses from what Paul is trying to correct. People with certain gifts are being treated as uber-spiritual. People are speaking in tongues with no interpretation. It's disorganized. It's chaotic. Every word is taken as good revelation. This church in Corinth is a church that is filled with the Spirit. But this church is a church who are maybe just a little bit failing to direct their spiritual gifts towards the correct end, towards God and towards one another. So Paul begins the section of our letter by stating, I don't want you to be uninformed. He's essentially saying, you are uninformed right now. Paul explains that the world has not prepared the church well to deal with spiritual matters. In verse 2, he writes, You know when you were pagans, you were led astray by idols who could not speak. This is really important. As Paul is saying, you were raised on practices that taught a false revelation. Idols that couldn't speak. But this, what we're dealing with in church, the true revelation, the spirit of God, it's not static like idols that don't speak. It's living and breathing and messy. And because it's messy, Paul is saying, you just might need a little bit of help to work out what's going on and how to deal with it. So Paul isn't really chastising them in the same way as he is in the previous sections of the letter. He actually affirms that the church in Corinth are really experiencing the Spirit. He's saying, yes, this is the Spirit of God. But because this is the Spirit of God, it's operating in a completely different way than you're used to. And so you need a bit of guidance and teaching to work out what to do with it. If we were going to put a heading above each of the passages we've looked at at the sermon series so far to kind of summarize what Paul is saying, most of the passages could be stop. No, really stop. Please stop what you are doing. But tonight, if we were to put a heading over our section, I think it would be something closer to pivot. Paul is saying, 
reorientate yourselves. What you're doing, your practices, they're not bad. Far from it. Being filled with the Spirit is good. It's great even. But your practice just needs a bit of realignment. And in urging for this realignment, Paul offers two key pieces of guidance. The first, that spiritual gifts are for the glorification of God. And the second, spiritual gifts have been given for the common good, so use them as such. We're going to unpack these two points together a bit. So the first, spiritual gifts are given for the glorification of God. This seems a really obvious point, doesn't it? Spiritual gifts are given for the glorification of God. Well, in verse 3, Paul says, no one, is speaking by, no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And likewise, no one proclaims Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Here, Paul is giving the church in Corinth and us a framework of discernment for when it comes to weighing up manifestations of the Spirit. And it's a really simple question. The baseline that we should be asking is, is God glorified? Paul is saying, are you proclaiming that Jesus is Lord? Several years ago, I reaffirmed my baptismal promises. And as part of the church service, the church set up a little table at the back where people um, could go and write words of encouragement or words of knowledge um, or pictures for each of the baptism candidates. At the end of the night, the vicar pulled us aside and handed us the stack of notes. And I think she said something really wise. She said, in this stack, there will be three types of notes. The first will be encouraging keep them. The second might seem a little bit off the mark, but hold on to them and look back at them in a couple of years. And then the third. The third type of letter in this stack are going to contain the most random things you've ever heard, like God has told me he wants you to become a paleontologist. Have a quick pray about them and then throw those, those ones in the bin. Because we need discernment in how we use the gifts of the Spirit. Because revelation is living and breathing. And that's a really exciting thing. We can access this divine revelation, but we have to remember it's first and foremost for the glorification of God. Words given in the Spirit so prophecy, words of knowledge, speaking in tongues, healings, these can be tested by asking ourselves, do they glorify God? Do they align with who we know God to be and God's character? Do they glorify God? For the church in Corinth at this point in our passage, they can pass go. They're doing this, they're glorifying God. 
They are proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. And so we come to our second criteria that Paul gives us. Spiritual goods have been given to us for the common good. In verse 7, Paul says, To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Manifestations of the Spirit are a gift given. So, in verse 7, Paul says to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This means that the manifestations of the Spirit aren't given to uber-holy people just because they have enough faith. Actually, it's not that different spiritual gifts access different levels of holiness, as if, as if level one belief gets you to words of knowledge, level four gets you to healing, and level five to speaking in tongues. No, Paul is really clear here. There are different types of gifts, but they all come from the same spirit. It's the same spirit that distributes them. And all of them, all of these gifts, are given for the common good. So all of them should be used to build one another up in love. Therefore, spiritual gifts are not things to separate out different markers of goodness or righteousness, but they are given to each one for the good of the whole body. Okay, I've repeated this sentence a lot, but do you notice the wording here? It's interesting that Paul says the manifestations of the Spirit are given for the common good. So the spiritual gifts are a gift that are given with direction. It doesn't mean that the gift always gets to that end. It's the equivalent of if a friend gives me a fiver to go and buy a salad so we can have that with our dinner later that evening. And I get to the supermarket and I decide, really fancy some chocolate. And I spend that whole five pounds just on chocolate. And then when I'm walking home from the shop, I eat all the chocolate. So then there's no chocolate left to share. That gift was given to me with a certain end, and I didn't honor that, that end for the common good. So Paul says, to each one, the manifestation is given for the common good. He said this because in the church in Corinth, the manifestations of the Spirit aren't always being used for the common good of people in Corinth. Because people are speaking in tongues with no interpretation. No one can understand what's being said. People are interrupting worship. 
Divisions are forming over who gets what gift. The spiritual manifestations are at work in Corinth. This is really, truly the Spirit of God at work. They are legitimate manifestations of the Spirit, but they are not being used the way the giver intended for the good of the whole. So again, we see Paul saying, pivot. He's not saying spiritual manifestations are bad, but he's saying they need to be directed towards their correct end, to glorify God and to build one another up in love. Now you might be sat here thinking, well, Hannah, this is all well and good, but we don't really have a problem with people coming and speaking in a weird language that no one can understand. Uh, we don't have people falling over in the aisle and disrupting worship. So you might say, what does any of this have to do with us? Well, that's true. I don't think that we have a problem with being overzealous in our pursuit of spiritual manifestations. And that's a good thing. However, I wonder if our challenge then comes not with the fierceness in which we pursue spiritual manifestations, but perhaps in some of our hesitation or some of our fear. A number of years ago, I was at a week-long conference, and each night at the end of the evening worship, they had about an hour-long altar call. Different ministers and leaders would get on stage and proclaim words of knowledge, and people would pour down the aisles of this auditorium to receive prayer or healing or to give their lives to Christ. By the end of the week, it was almost as if everyone in this auditorium had gone down for one of the altar calls. And I cynically felt like the altar calls were getting more and more general as the week went on. Until one night, a man stands up on stage and says, I've had a word from the Lord that someone here has a bad back. I looked around at the room, filled with about 2,000 people, at least over half of whom were over the age of 65, and I thought, well, of course someone has a bad back here. Before I'd even realized it, I had said it to myself, and I looked down and my arms were folded, and I suddenly realized that I had separated myself from everything that was going on around me. I was stood with my critical eye and discernment watching on the sidelines as others around me proclaimed, Jesus is Lord. You see, just as the church in Corinth, if we are scared of using spiritual gifts, if we are hesitant of, of using our spiritual gifts, then we also are not using our spiritual gifts towards the right end because we're not using them for the common good of the whole. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that as a church, I think we are too discerning and we are too critical and we don't use spiritual gifts. That's not the case. 
But I do think it's likely that we're somewhere, each one of us is somewhere on a spectrum between overzealous uh, church in Corinth and me critically standing off to the side in an auditorium. I think if we're honest, we're probably somewhere in between. So wherever you find yourself on the spectrum of over-enthusiastic spiritual gift fanatic or slightly more hesitant, I wonder what it would look like for you to think and pray, and I'm, probably, I'm sure probably most of you do this, but to spend some time in reflection tonight, thinking and praying about how you might be being called to use your spiritual gifts to serve your brothers and sisters for the good of the whole. Now, I'm sure most of you are already engaged in this work, but I wonder, are there new places the Lord is calling you to use your gifts? Is there a gift that you have that you maybe haven't used for a long time? Or maybe you've never experienced the Holy Spirit before, and tonight you want to invite the Spirit into your life. You see, the beautiful thing about spiritual gifts is that there's this huge variety of spiritual gifts, not just the ones listed in our passage tonight. In fact, throughout Paul's letters, he offers two or three different lists that all contain slightly different variations of these gifts. Maybe you have a real gift for hospitality. Maybe people comment on how you just make them feel so welcome so soon. Well, that's a gift of the Spirit. Or maybe you have a gift of prophecy and you are given words and pictures for other people. Well, that's also a gift of the Spirit. And our worship is enriched by the bountiful blessing of spiritual gifts. And these have been given to us by God to glorify God and to build one another up. It is by God's grace that we are enabled to be the church, to worship God, and to love one another. Spiritual gifts are a good gift from a loving father. And guess what? The good news is the spirit of the Lord is here in this place. We proclaim Jesus is Lord. And that is a declaration that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.